Welcome to Talk of the Bay here on K-Squid, KSQD Santa Cruz. I'm Bodhi Shargell, and today we're talking about the uh, hunger strike that's currently underway uh, by uh, five people who are incarcerated in the uh, Santa Cruz County main jail. Um, They started off as a larger group at the start of um, November. It's down to five people right now, and... uh, few days back uh, one of them uh, released an op-ed in lookout talking about what they're what they're doing and why Um, in the op-ed they listed five specific requests that go along with the hunger strike Uh, i'll read those out right now they said that specifically we're calling for an evaluation of the way that guards treat detainees a review of the conditions that we are held in and added many of us are often kept in cells for long periods for no understandable reason. They said they're asking for oversight of the internal complaints process, uh, adding that none of our complaints get answered. They're asking for a discussion of the high cost of commissary goods uh, and mentioned that communicating with loved ones costs 50 cents per email or $7.50 for a half hour video call. And finally, they asked for a full explanation of what's happening with our legal mail, um, saying that they worry that correspondence with lawyers is being read by by jail officials. Hunger strikes um, are a tool that's been employed by activists for for a long time. They were used uh, by um, Gandhi and other activists in India, when they were pushing for decolonization, they were pushed by suffragettes or used by suffragettes in the US and the UK um, when they were asking for the right to vote for, uh, for women. So uh, I had the pleasure of speaking uh, yesterday, Monday, with Tyree Ritchie, who's a civil rights activist here in Santa Cruz. And we'll be listening to the recording of that interview later in the show. But right now I'm joined by Amy Chen Mills, um, who uh, talking to her was sort of what launched um, talking about this on the show today. Uh, and she she additionally, when she was running for county supervisor uh, last year or almost a couple of years ago at this point, um, took a tour of the of the Santa Cruz County main jail um, so she can provide us with some some info on that. So, Amy, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much, Bodhi. Um, I, yeah, I'd like to ask you just for some background on what the jail is like, because I, I feel like most people in Santa Cruz ha- haven't been inside, and, and many people don't even know that it's there. Um, the, the Santa Cruz County Main Jail, it's across the street from the county building. It's this giant concrete block, um, even more of a giant concrete block than the county building, which is saying something. Um, so yeah, tell me about what you took away from the your tour of the main jail um, last year. Thank you, Bodhi. I just want to add something about my background before I get into that. I was given a tour by Sheriff Hart personally, which was very generous of him uh, when I was a candidate for county supervisor of both the main jail and the Roundtree facility in Watsonville, which is a minimum security jail and much newer and quite different than the main jail, which is across from the county building, as you say. I wanna add that for 
six or seven years, I worked for Santa Clara County uh, teaching mental health and resiliency classes in the correctional system. And that means I got to see the inside of a lot of correctional facilities. I got to see the inside of the juvenile hall in downtown San Jose, the main jail in downtown San Jose, which is similar to ours because it's maximum security. It's people who are awaiting trial on some serious charges. And I also was in the Milpitas um, Elmwood facility constantly, twice a week, every week for years. And that is a minimum security facility or mid-level security uh, that's quite different too. So I understand what these different facilities are for and what they tend to look like. Also the youth correctional ranches. So I know what correctional facilities look like and I worked in them for years, um, all the different levels in Santa Clara County. When I walked into the main jail with Sheriff Hart, I could not believe that our county has a jail, which is better described as like a kind of dungeon. <laughs> you know, um, I call it a massive human rights violation from taking that tour. The jail is arranged in sort of like a series of like honeycomb style um, areas, right? And when you first walk in, there's a, a smaller entry area where there's like uh, detox rooms or like uh, sobering up rooms. I'm forgetting the term, right? It's when people are drunk or high and they're put into these rooms and they're rooms that are mostly just designed to be able to be hosed down, right? In case people are throwing up, but there's no bed there. It's just like a concrete room. That's white. It's almost like being in solitary confinement with no, you know, there's nothing in that room except for concrete and, and whiteness from what I remember. I could have some of these details wrong. So, you know, I don't have photos or anything. I'm giving you like my general impressions. We went from there to different parts of the jail and they're very similar in the sense that there are these kind of like, you know, I don't know if they're pentagonal shaped areas. And then there are, um, Within each sort of like wall of the Pentagon, there's a, a door that goes into a chamber that has cells in it, right? And so these cells are very uh, closed in on themselves. There's one door that goes out to the central floor area where there's a guard and kind of like a tower. Like if you imagine a prison tower in a prison, but it's small and short and it's in the middle of this like area, right? That's where the COs are. So they can kind of see, and this is very common, they need to be able to see everything, uh, but you, they can't really see into those cells because the cells themselves are sort of, there's just one door that you go in and then there's all these cells. There is no access to an outside window from these like, let's call them units with cells inside of them. And there's no window to the outside at all in the whole facility. There's no natural light coming in except for when you come out, there are these um, like out there, I guess they're quote unquote outdoor, like a basketball court style space. But the top is not even totally open to the sky. It's got some kind of covering that's uh, let some light in, but the walls are all concrete. So there's no trees, there's no view of anything, not even this blue sky. Like there's no blue sky going on. And I say all this because you have people who have mental health issues in that jail who are in these very dark, you know, units 
Uh, I don't know how often they come out or get to go to these like covered up quote unquote indoor outdoor areas like like gym style or basketball court areas. Um, but I cannot imagine having a mental health issue and trying to, you know, get better or heal or recover within this kind of space. So you, and then you have people who have mental health issues who are in these units with other people who have mental health issues, right? Trying to get some ground under them mentally. And how do you do that when you have other people who are, you know, having, you know, their own episodes and so forth, you know, and I saw people like tapping at the windows and, you know, just looking at like incredibly distressed in those units. And, and they're, from what I'm understanding too, there are male and men and women both in that jail. It's not separated out. There is the um, Blaine street facility behind the jail, which I think just opened up. Uh, Marty Wormhout, who was a former supervisor, got that going for women. And I got a tour of that, too. And I think it's open again. It should be open because we should definitely have human beings there and not in the main jail and especially women. But also, to be honest, I'm a woman. I understand that women can be more vulnerable um, and often they are victims of abuse and so on and so forth. But I care about human beings and the human beings, including men and possibly transgender people and who knows, right, in that facility, uh, this is not a place where you're going to recover. This is not a place where you are going to start to feel hope and, you know, some sense of like, hey, you know what, life is worth living. I can get my act together. And I've been working with inmates for years. I've worked with them for years and I know that they can get better. You know, if they have a chance to calm down, self-reflect, get some education, get outside, get some exercise, you know, have camaraderie with other inmates. Um, that's what I would see happening, like in Milpitas and even the main jail in San Jose, even though it wasn't, it didn't have as much outdoor space as the minimum security facility, it was spacious, like and so was the juvenile hall. You didn't walk in and feel claustrophobic and trapped. And in this main jail, you do. You feel claustrophobic and trapped the minute you walk in. So Sheriff Hart really wants a new jail. And I know that um, abolitionists um, do not want jails. And I, I understand that. But until we have some kind of other alternative, I don't think we should keep this jail. This jail needs to go. And if we need to build a new one or expand the round tree facility, or I don't know, but we need to come up with something else because this is like cruel and unusual punishment. Sheriff's Hart's, Sheriff Hart's concern, which he was telling me, was about more of the correctional officers and their safety and the safety of inmates too, trying to walk them from one unit to another, for example, like there isn't enough space to have that happen in a way that is safe for everyone, especially if you have, let's say, rival gang members walking, you know, or violent people who could possibly be violent. Um, and uh, I mean, the whole thing, it's just dark, it's gloomy. Um, they do contract with a mental health service provider, unless this has changed, this is from uh, last year in the spring, to do mental health work. But this is like a, like a big company rather than local people. And the same thing for the, um, for the food, the commissary down in uh, Roundtree, at least, and probably um, in the main jail as well, is we're contracting as a county with these outside multinationals. Well, through 
through everything that you've described about um, this place that we're keeping people, the main jail, I think it's worth pointing out that most of these people haven't been convicted of crimes, right? This is this is a jail, not a prison. This is a, a pretrial facility for most of the people who are there. But people um, are serving many years, and there are some people who've already been convicted because of a, the situation with the California state jails, you know, the prisons, we actually have long-termers in our jail. And then the wait for trial and so forth, it's too long. Yeah. Like, and it, yeah, sorry, go ahead. It, it, it seems like that just adds to kind of how, how detestable this whole place seems to be that someone can be not convicted of a crime, charged with a crime, put in this place that you just described with folks who are actually serving long sentences for really violent crimes um, and people who genuinely may be dangerous. And, and you're having to be in this, in this jail, in this place with those people um, before you've been convicted of a crime, you're, you're waiting for your, for your trial. Um, So I, I appreciate Amy that you've been able to provide the, kind of paint the picture of the place that we're talking about here because yeah as i mentioned i mean most people in santa cruz don't really have an understanding of of the jail even though a lot of us drive past it on a you know daily or weekly basis or whatever most people don't think about it that we have that in our city um so yeah i'm really glad that you could paint that picture um can i just add one quick thing yes please i just want to add that um you can have violent offenders who have big charges, right? Like, you know, uh, um, felony charges and so forth. And just because I've worked with inmates uh, uh, quite a bit, um, and even juveniles who've been charged with murder and homicide, one young man was accused of killing his, his father. Um, from a mental health perspective and resiliency perspective, people sometimes do things in a state of like, insanity right rage and it doesn't necessarily mean i just can i just don't give up on people because of the work that i've done in the prisons and the jails or in the in the jails primarily um everyone is redeemable i believe it doesn't mean they will be redeemed but i don't i don't want to label people as like violent forever you know people people become violent for different reasons and they can undo the the patterns of thinking and being that led to that violence. So the jail is not helping, put it that way. <laughs> because, you know, beauty and, I mean, it's not like everything should be beautiful for them, but, and we should, but, but honestly, your surroundings really make a difference. And we all know that we go for walks in the woods to clear our minds. We need that kind of thing in any kind of uh, correctional facility that we might need to have. Yeah, absolutely. Um. I want to I want to move on and read a a statement that I received and and I got to read this uh, ahead of time and Amy you you uh didn't so I'll be interested to hear what you have to say about this. Um I reached out to the sheriff's office in hopes of getting an interview with someone um from there who could speak to what's going on from from their perspective um the the sheriff's office in Santa Cruz is the entity that runs the jail 
um, and uh, they they declined a request for an interview um, or didn't really respond to that. They they responded to my request just with this with this statement that I'm going to read now. Um, and and I want to sort of examine it and maybe criticize it a bit. But since there's no one here to speak on their behalf, I'll I'll try not to spend too much time on it. Um, but I, I do want to read it now and then we'll, we can talk about it for a bit. So they said, there are five incarcerated persons in one of the units at the main jail that have chosen not to eat the nutritionally balanced meals that are provided by food services at the jail. These five incarcerated persons are in custody for serious charges and are concerned about the processes that have been put in place for the safety and security of the facility and safety and security and safety of other incarcerated persons, correctional staff, and civilian staff. Even with these processes in place, these individuals are allowed to recreate in groups 35 hours a week, parentheses, 25 hours beyond what is mandated by Title 15. At no time are the rights afforded to them violated or any other incarcerated person's rights violated, nor is their access to programming being inhibited. They are monitored daily to ensure their health is maintained despite their choice not to eat the meals they are provided during their incarceration. Uh, that, so that's the statement that I got from the, the sheriff's office. And I, I found that <laughs> really interesting at a lot of points and, and, and pretty upsetting. Um, and yeah, I, I, I got this uh, just this morning, so a few hours ago, and I... I've been thinking about it. Some of the things that stuck out to me um, in the first sentence, they they said there are five incarcerated persons who have chosen not to eat the nutritionally balanced meals that are provided to them. Seemingly just not acknowledging that a hunger strike is a tool that's used for activism. It, it seems like they're trying to paint this as just people who don't feel like eating, um, which I that definitely seems like a tool of dismissal to me. Um, after that, they uh, stress the fact that the people are in custody for serious charges uh, and that the measures that there have been measures put in place to keep other people safe, which is really aside from the point. And, and this is something that I really want to stress, which is when we're talking about the rights of people who are in the American prison industrial complex, who are accused of crimes uh, or who are convicted of crimes and imprisoned. Um, a tactic that has been used for as long as I can think of by people who are you know, trying to dismiss those, those people's rights is just to emphasize the violent nature of crimes that have been committed. But the requests that are made in this op-ed from these people are not individualized, right? It's not just a murderer who has to pay $7.50 to talk to their loved ones for 30 minutes. It's anyone who finds themselves in this jail, many of whom did not commit crimes. These are people who are accused of crimes, haven't faced a trial yet. They may be found guilt or may be found innocent at their, in a trial. And even when people are convicted of crimes, in the U.S., they often are actually innocent. Um, and 
you know, they, they also ask for, you know, an evaluation system for the, for the behavior of prison guards. Again, that's not just applicable to murderers. That's applicable to everyone. Everyone interacts with guards when they're in prison. And, and everyone has, in my opinion, the right to, um, to, to complain if they feel that they're being mistreated. Yeah, our whole view of um, incarceration is so archaic. You know, they have so many... I mean, and I think there are there's good programming happening in prisons and there are correctional officers who do care. You know, I, I don't like to just see everything in black and white, but I think as a nation, you know, we have one of the highest incarceration rates of any country. And so I think that we need to be thinking as a whole society about how do people actually rehabilitate that should be our focus, whether they're incarcerated or not incarcerated because their crimes are not, that they're really not a danger to society. Um, there are so many technologies in terms of like therapies and trainings and programs. And, and you know, I was involved in all that and I saw that those, those, those interventions work. And that's where we should be putting our, our money. And, you know, we're just such a heavily sort of military industrialized police state society. That's the problem in my, in my mind. And we need to get away from that. Well, I'd really like to examine the, the statement that we got more. Um, but since there's no one here to really speak on behalf of the, the sheriff's office or the, the people who are running this jail, it, it seems a little bit cheap and, and like we're not really able to fully explore these ideas. Um, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break here. We're going to um, flash back to my interview yesterday with um, with Tyree for the rest of the show. Um, and so, Amy, I, I do want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing um, the image that you've been able to um, understand about what our jail is, and and talking to me about yeah where your head's at with all of these really um, complicated and important issues. Thank you, Bodie. All right, we'll be right back. This is Talk of the Bay on KSQD. I'm council house of violent. I'm laughing at the tyrants. I'm sleeping on the sirens. Whilst wondering where the time went to scum. I'm scum. Well, today is Monday, December 4th. I'm here talking virtually with Tyree Ritchie, who is a civil rights advocate and activist uh, in, in the city of Santa Cruz and uh, around the community. Um, we're, we're both just sort of learning about the details of, of what's going on in the past couple of days here. Um, and and so I'm I'm really glad that we we get the chance to to talk about such an important issue. So Terry, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on Casewood. It's good to be back on Casewood. Absolutely. Um, well, I want to start off just by asking you. You know, we know the the requests made that that sort of go along with this uh, hunger strike. Um, there's there's uh, a few that were listed in the op ed. 
um, that are tangible things. But taking maybe uh, one or two steps back towards the bigger picture, um, why do you think that these people are, are doing this hunger strike? Um, that's a good question. I think a big proponent of it um, detains a lot of just basic rights that were violated, um, especially from the county, the county jail system. Um, unfortunately, it's kind of kind of was researching a little bit too on the issue of behind the county jails in the recent past few years. Um, I believe this may be the second hunger strike that's taken place in the county jail. One was in 2019. Um, definitely some of these uh, lists of com- uh, demands that were listed under the Lookout, Lookout Santa Cruz article, um, even some of them are just looking at the issue of commissary. Um, that's been a big issue, especially um, coming out of the pandemic where even right now for families to be able to support loved ones and those who are incarcerated behind bars to be able to help uh, put, uh, be able to help them afford goods on a commissary. Um, that's definitely a big issue, uh, especially in our County. Um, looking at the cost, cost of living um, Santa Cruz County being listed as one of the most expensive counties in the country. Um, that's definitely an alarming thing on how can we support those who are trying to support those behind bars Um I think other rights uh, that are being violated on just having even issue of basic legal mail um, being looked through uh, uh, without permission. Uh, that's supposed to be completely private between uh, defense attorney or the lawyers and and someone behind bars. Um, I think definitely this calls for a lot of demands. What we've seen in the last few years on the assembly bill uh, 1185, which would be a sheriff's oversight committee. And so seeing the issue like what's happening right now in the county jail with the hunger strike, that's that's taken place since November the 8th. Um, even though we're just now in December, um, it's been at least almost a full month now that this hunger strike has taken place. And we're just now seeing, uh, hearing the voices of those who are on strike. Yeah. So talking about a few of the parts of the, the demands that have been made, um, first of all, you, you mentioned the cost of commissary goods and uh, one of the specific demands that they made uh, was about the cost of communication with people who are, are outside of the jail. Um, they they mentioned that it costs seven, $7.50 to make a half hour video call with a loved one. Um, in your opinion, does the state have any right to charge uh, prison inmates to communicate with their loved ones in the outside world? Uh uh, truthfully, in my personal opinion, I think, yeah, it should be completely illegal, in my view, to really just charge someone behind bars for having a simple phone call or trying to reach out to their loved ones um, during this during their crucial time of need, uh, being behind bars or just being in the current uh, state that they're in. Um, I think definitely when it comes to issues of, of since the pandemic, we talk a lot about mental health issues and a lot of um, mental health um, statistically has improved amongst those who have been incarcerated by having a simple reach of contact or be able to contact frequently with their loved ones or significant others. Um, I think definitely limiting that with the, the financial stress and demand are not only those who are behind bars because for someone trying to, you know, build up enough funds on a commissary is hard enough, but even those who are on, on the outside, whether it be family, friends, or loved ones, um, just hearing different, People explain how hard that is to be able to raise funds for someone behind the bars to raise funds for commissary. It's a, diff- it's a stressful issue, um, especially in Santa Cruz County. Santa Cruz County being one of the most expensive 
counties in the country, as well as the state of California being one of the most expensive states to live in from the country. Um, it's definitely is definitely kind of baffling to really see how the uh, the prison system within the state itself is still charging um, these these to me, in my personal opinion, these ridiculous amount of um, funds just to raise the goods. And even then, um, I think definitely it should be completely free uh, for supporting those behind bars. And uh, another one of the specific demands or requests um, made in the, the op-ed that was written is uh, uh, an evaluation system for how guards treat detainees as well as um, oversight for the internal complaints process. And, and they mentioned, they, they said that none of their complaints get answered when they make complaints about the way that they've been treated by, by guards. How, how do you imagine a system like that ought to work in in the jail in Santa Cruz and um do you, do you think that there needs to be one that exists um i think definitely um when i was bringing up uh, assembly bill 1185 the sheriff's oversight committee um those two specific issues i think will perfectly will, or should perfectly address those demands i think more so it should be probably more so of more of a citizens oversight um provision in within that bill within that bill that that would hopefully that's slowly being implemented in Santa Cruz County I think definitely just on a basic uh just those basic demands I think those demands are relatively basic and the fact that a lot of seeing the opt-ed on seeing how a lot of the guardsmen or or the guards or the guards keepers are treating a lot of the inmates behind bars um treating treating them kind of inhumanely uh treating uh, disregarding them um, I think it's definitely worsens not only the physical conditions, but also the mental health conditions as well. Um, someone being behind bars, the last thing they want to feel is, is feel devalued. Um, especially those, uh, seeing, seeing some of those, seeing some of the inmates there for, been there for even for low level offenses, um, still awaiting trial. Um, so it's not necessarily whether they're, deemed guilty or not guilty to still be treated um, inhumanely by um, Santa Cruz County guards. Um, and then systemically, too, within the last few years, we've seen a lot of incidents happen out of the county jail, whether it be a lot of negligence by the county sheriffs is definitely alarming. So the fact that um, even these basic demands are being asked for, not it's not necessarily just a flat out given. Um, it's definitely alarming that I want to see. Definitely, I hope that the sheriffs, not only the sheriff's department would address, but also the county, uh, county officials at large, whether it be the supervisors who are slowly implementing the uh, sheriff's oversight committee, would definitely really consider um, these provisions as well when it comes to implementing and what they want to see their um, the sheriff's oversight committee really uh, be focusing on. And you you mentioned in the in your answer there that a lot of the people in the jail in Santa Cruz have not been committed, uh, been convicted of any crimes, right? These yeah. are people who are waiting for trial. Um, and, and of course, also even people who have been convicted of crimes in our um, judicial system in the US, a lot of them didn't actually commit those, those crimes. And yeah, what's crazy to me is in the op-ed, this person mentioned that they have been in jail for five years. Uh, awaiting trial and that all of this um all of this 
all these things that they have complaints about have have happened to them before they've been convicted of a crime and and i'm really wondering i I don't have too much to make off that just what what do you take away from that fact that all of this is going on these violations of people's perceived rights in santa cruz county's main jail um before they've been convicted of crimes What, what do you make of that um, it's definitely, um, alarming, but at the same time, not surprising, um, just harping back, harping back on, um, just the last few years, uh, involving the Santa Cruz County, uh, County Sheriff's Department, um, been involved in a lot of scandals, uh, quite frankly, um, one, especially during COVID, um, not following COVID protocols, even though they were supposed to be on the front lines to enforce it, um, also a level of lawsuits. There's two lawsuits against the county sheriff's department as relates to deaths in the county jail, in their county jail. Um, also, just also other bevy of just rights being violated within the county jails and questionable deaths, whether it be by uh, suicide and or homicide, just a, a fact of negligence um, that been on display by the sheriff's department. And a lot of it, I think, went into silence um, during the COVID pandemic. Um, I know I know a lot of county officials kind of assured that a lot of low-level offenses, of people under low-level offenses that were under misdemeanors were being released, not necessarily uh, being placed in jail during that time period. Um, I think definitely now as we slowly are coming back out of the pandemic, I feel like a lot of these problems that may have been even before the pandemic or even being more sound or alarmed uh, even post-pandemic as we are slowly even now as a county uh kind of going back to a lot of the quote unquote social norms that we were accustomed to being being surrounded by on an everyday basis, but kind of at the same time, unfortunately, ignoring what's happening inside the county jail, county jail system. The Constitution guarantees a right to a, a fair and speedy trial is pretty much everyone who went through, you know, elementary and middle school in the U.S. knows. Um do you think that this system is doing that? Do you think that this system is guaranteeing people the right to a just and speedy trial? Um, I think definitely uh, systemically what we have seen, not just in Santa Cruz County, but even around the country, around the state. Um, unfortunately, that hasn't been the case. Um, a lot of people who simply go to jail are, 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 are essentially charged as we're um, kind of highlighting right now, um, which is very unfortunate to see how those who are at, often at times or most at times unjustly uh, put behind bars for whatever, whatever reason often have have had their uh, rights, uh, civil rights or, con- and con- or constitutional rights violated by the state or whether, whether it be by law enforcement at large. Um, I think definitely it's kind of more alarming at a county level, um, especially if we just look at Santa Cruz as a quote unquote kind of more sanctuary, more of a paradise type of scene, but seeing how it is within the criminal justice system within the County um, and seeing also too, uh, this is definitely alarming to see um, those who maybe in the future may be placed behind bars to see how maybe their civil rights may be treated as well. Um, yeah, I think definitely overall, there definitely needs to be a lot of changes that needs to be addressed and also a lot of accountability needs to be addressed as well. Right. And and getting arrested, I mean, I hope people understand that getting arrested can destroy a person's life, not just 
not just because they have the potential to then get convicted of a crime and have that show up on their record forever. Um, but the people who get arrested in the U.S. tend to be poorer and, and tend to be um, people of color more likely. Um, and if you're a poor person working a job and you don't show up to that job for a week or for a few months or for five years, as we see with this person, um, you're going to get fired. You're going to lose your job. And if you lose your job, you could end up homeless. You could lose whatever, you know, if you have a car payment, you could lose your car. Um, and, and right there, your, your life tends to be destroyed. Um, so in, in your opinion, are there reforms that can be made, um, to our policing system and our prison system to, to solve this issue of, you know, we're destroying people's lives before even knowing that they've committed a crime. It, can we reform this or is this just an inherent part of our system? Um, that's a good question. Um, not only does it has to be, I think there needs to be um, levels of reform. Um, you kind of just highlighted a lot of people who are unjust um, more times than not um, being arrested, not just in the state, but around the country are often poor uh, on the low income level, as well as uh, people, BIPOC residents, uh, black, indigenous people of color. Um, I think definitely levels of reform definitely needs to be addressed, not only just within the jail system, but how do we uh, prevent recidivism? Uh, recidivism has been a big, uh, big issue when it comes to addressing the prison industrial complex, um, addressing um, just issues of policing, inter interacting with law enforcement. Uh, more often than not, it can be a traumatizing experience for a lot of people, uh, especially people who are uh, considered low income, especially people of color, what we have seen. Um, within our timelines, within our news feeds, within the last few years, um, definitely can be a traumatizing experience. So not only do we need reforms of how do we build someone back into the norm, the quote unquote norms of society when it comes to having a stable, a stable level of employment, uh, economic employment, uh, as far as having personal income, um, housing and sustainability, but also addressing their physical and mental needs. Um, seeing how statistically being 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 within the jail prison system can affect someone's mental health um as far as solitary confinement um and other issues of inhumane treatment behind behind bars um i think definitely needs to be a lot of levels of reform not only just addressing um the economic concerns um housing and and having a stable place to live uh, but also just addressing the mental and physical needs um that many people kind of go in go into jail off more often than not have those pre-existing conditions and often come out even worse than before. Right. Right. You're talking about the idea of prison as a place of reform and, and you, you, you brought up the um, recidivism, the likelihood that someone who gets out of jail will end up going back to jail. Uh, I'd like to ask you, you know, out of these things that are listed uh, in the, in the op-ed, um, does a lack of oversight uh, or um, the inability to get your complaints answered when it comes to the behavior of guards, the being cut off um, from any friends, family, or loved ones uh, in the outside world unless you can pay, um, the, the inability to feel privacy even when you're communicating with a lawyer? I mean, these realities, do you think that these make it more or less 
likely that someone will be reformed and built into a better person um, while they're in jail in Santa Cruz? Um, I think definitely um, as far as level of reform, I think definitely uh, the pressure needs to be upon our elected officials, whether it be um, those like our county supervisors and other um, city citywide officials who are kind of overseeing this issue of how do we make sure the individuals that come out and come back into our society, come back into our community, um, how do we uh, make them more stabilized, uh, stabilize them in a way that makes them more economically secure as well as housing secured, um, as far as mentally and physically secured. Um, I think definitely overall, I think it would definitely make it a lot more stressful uh, in my personal opinion um, I think also addressing as far as the mental health aspect, it definitely is a big issue there. Um, and also just uh, economically, um, as you as you're just addressing, um, a lot of folks who are, are considered poor or low income, um, it's definitely hard to kind of come back out of the jail system and trying to re reproduce yourself back into quote unquote back into society. Um, and often being denied, whether it be levels of employment, also being discriminatory upon by those not only within the job sector, but also within society at large. Um, just hearing someone that, oh, that once was in jail, it's also a negative stigma that that um, still hasn't really been addressed uh, by a large part by society. Um, but I think overall, there definitely needs to be a level of accountability that needs to be addressed because if these are the most basic demands that should be a given right to any person behind bars, whether they're guilt, presumed guilty or not guilty, um, it this definitely needs to be a given right. And the fact that um, men, uh, there are just about five males um, in the jail, in the county jail as we speak um, on a hunger strike, um, just asking for these, demanding these simple, these simple rights or these simple uh, provisions to have. Um, I think definitely it's a bad look not only within the county jail system, the sheriff's system, but also just the uh, public elective uh, system, because I feel that a lot of the public officials, whether it be the county supervisors and other elected officials, kind of give a lot of leeway to the sheriff's department on a lot of these um, acts that are often committed within the jail system. This is Talk of the Bay here on K-Squid. I'm Bodie Shargell, and we're listening to an interview that I did with uh, Tyree Ritchie yesterday, who is a civil rights activist here in Santa Cruz, talking about the hunger strike that's currently taking place in the Santa Cruz County main jail. We're going to take a quick break and listen to some music, and then we'll be right back.
you're listening to Talk of the Bay on KSQD Santa Cruz. I'm Bodie Shargell, and we're jumping back into the interview that I recorded yesterday with civil rights activist Tyree Ritchie talking about the hunger strike currently going on in the Santa Cruz County main jail. Based off of um, what you've seen as an activist around in Santa Cruz in the past few years, do you think that this, you know, strike and all of that's going on around this is going to lead to any any change is, is anything going to be done based off of this um to be kind of to be kind of blunt i really hope so um i think definitely you have a community that's really tapped into um what, it, what in terms of addressing the prison industrial complex um a lot of abolitionists who have been boots on the ground and addressing a lot of these um a lot of these um, incidents that's happened in the county jail. Um, it kind of harpers back to my first year, you know, officially as an organizer, um, seeing the issue of the gentleman, Tamario Smith, that passed away from the county jail and, and answers being demanded. Um, incidents like that, that kind of fueled a lot of the decision to implement a sheriff's oversight committee. Um, I think hopefully um with enough voices uh being raised on this issue like we're addressing right now on on the program i think it's definitely important for us to kind of for those who do have the platform that we're both blessed to have um be able to just help elevate those voices who are advocating on the inside i think that's kind of the first step um because even now i don't think not too many people even know uh this is unfortunately going on i definitely given a lot of the issues that's happening um, just around the state and even around the world as we speak right now, which is definitely kind of tough and really complex to really deal with. But I think hopefully within the community of Santa Cruz, um, definitely this issue will be addressed. But I think hopefully the the need right now would be just mostly just uh, making sure we elevate and amplify the voices of those who are currently incarcerated right now, asking for these simple demands and also you know, out, once those voices are amplified and elevated to the masses, hopefully around the county, hopefully that'll be the onus will be be put more public pressure on not just the, uh, the sheriff's department, but also most specifically the uh, elected officials who uh, grant the sheriff's department a lot of these uh, provisions. It gives them a lot of uh, transparency to act on a lot of the things or gives them the, tr- the uh, transgression to to act upon when it comes to a lot of these incidents happening. And to fully address the, the issues faced by people in, um, in the jail in Santa Cruz County and in, in the prison industrial complex around, around the country, around the world, you know, you mentioned the, the idea of abolition. Do you think that we can reform away these issues or do you think that it involves, you know, moving to something that really isn't recognizable um, as a version of prison? Um, that's a good question. I think definitely it's a possibility to me personally, but I think in the ideal average mind of when you think of uh, abolition and when it comes to addressing prisons, it's like, okay, if there isn't a jail tomorrow, um, how do we address uh, some of the crimes uh, some of the incidents that um, kind of happens in our society and how do we go forth in addressing it. Um, 
One is just a level of education um, when it comes to funding. Um, I think the fact that we fund a lot of the, the county prison system, uh, even the jail system, uh, the fact that a lot of the funding goes towards uh, the police departments, uh, sheriff's departments, and the jail system at large, and a lot of the issues are still reoccurring. Um, that definitely should be a sign right there. That definitely there, there needs to be a level of reform to how do we uh, reimagine um, the criminal justice system at large. Um, I think definitely even right now in the county is slowly happening. I see uh, definitely with the uh, the neighborhood courts. Um, definitely that was kind of more so a hot button topic. Me personally as an activist, when it came to the mural, the Black Lives Matter mural being the face the first time. Um, about last, about uh, recently a year, uh, going on two years ago now. Um, I think definitely having a system like the neighborhood court system is a big step. Um, I think also just a reallocation of funds uh, is also a secondary step as well when it comes to addressing how do we prevent those um, from being detained, being put within a criminal justice system. As by and large, a lot of the crime that we see happening um around the country and also around the state um, has to deal with address uh, issues of income, of income inequality uh, for those who are considered poor, um, having to resort to a lot of crimes, which is a very unfortunate. Also this level of lack of uh, mental health care, physical care and treatment, um, just having less access to resources to fundamental care. Um, I think just those are basic steps to really reimagining what do we want, you know, as a society, as a community, when it comes to addressing, you know, criminal justice and how to reform, you know, individuals who are in personal crises and dealing with personal troubles. So it seems like what you're saying is that the idea of abolition versus reform, that sort of dichotomy isn't really useful. And that what we have to think about is a society-wide transformation. Yeah, I, I believe so. I think definitely a transformation needs to happen. Um, and that's just my personal view. I know by and large, um, it's kind of a wild thing to really just imagine as a simple uh, listener or a simple viewer. But I think the me just seeing the constant having this kind of, to me, even this issue right now with the hunger strike is kind of a recycled issue that we have heard before. But the fact that it's more close to home. Um, I think that's definitely alarming, um, not just as a community member, but even someone who may hear of the next incident that may occur within the county jail and seeing the lack of transparency. I think definitely um, as a community at large, I think we need to start reimagining how do we as a community really approach these decisions, because more often than not, um, incidents like this uh, will continue to happen and we kind of just pass the buck along to a lot of to elected officials who are kind of looking for the cookie cutter solution, um, especially on a lot of the sheriffs who are kind of looking for an easy cookie cutter band-aid solution. So I think by and large, I think it would take, take a definitely larger community effort to really kind of reimagine the transparency as you alluded to, to reimagining our criminal justice system. So Tyree, while I have you here, I want to ask you one other question and it's not, about this issue of the Santa Cruz jail specifically. It's about organizing and activism on the prison industrial complex more broadly in, in Santa Cruz. Okay. Um, when I was thinking about putting this show together and I was asking around about, you know, folks who I'd want to have on, um, 
one person I was talking to, they said, um, and, and I, uh, want to try and get this right. One person who I was talking to, they said that people in Santa Cruz are generally, generally reluctant to talk about these issues. Um, and I found that really interesting because I, I definitely see what they're talking about. I, and I agree with that perception. And I have my theories about why people in Santa Cruz would be so reluctant to talk about police and prisons and um, activism on these issues. But I'm wondering why you think that is and if you see that as being true um, from your perspective. Um, personally, in my personal view, I definitely have felt that same sentiment on the reluctance of addressing um, issues beyond policing, because definitely um, once um, the George Floyd tragedy happened in 2020, um, I personally didn't think Santa Cruz would be willing to stand on the forefront of addressing issues of police brutality and addressing issues of the prison industrial complex. But seeing uh, that type of emotion um, kind of spark, um, I think definitely it's a possibility there. But I think um, when it comes to issues like this, like we're addressing um, today, um, it's definitely an onion peel on addressing the layers and the complexities that comes with addressing this. Because um, definitely when it comes to even issues of jail, um, this is just one of those issues where people kind of expect an easy cookie cutter like I was kind of alluding to kind of cookie cutter solution, but it's definitely a lot of the elements that comes with this, whether it be a level of just education, um, a level of, edu- uh, level of just uh, what, how do we refund a lot of these systems? Um, I think definitely um, it's a complex issue, man. Um, but I think definitely we, we have the potential to really do it, but I think the fear of, the fear of acting upon it has been the biggest issue when it comes to just having a simple conversation. Um, I think definitely uh, for me, I had had those complex conversations with people who were just advertly um, just not willing to really listen to the other side of the aisle or even listen to an alternative or reimagining simply what does it look like to really have, you know, a trans transformative uh, systems. But I think, um, within Santa Cruz that has the potential to be there. But I think definitely, yeah, I think the first step is overcoming that fear of just a simple conversation because it starts with conversation amongst community members to really put forth these solutions in order for the sheriff's uh, sheriff's uh, the sheriff's station to really understand it, for public officials to really understand it because ultimately they serve the public and the, and the public has to serve what the solutions and what does transformation and reform look like. Well, Terry, I want to thank you so much for talking with me and I hope that our conversation can be um, one step in that process that you're, you're talking about. Hey, thanks for having me. And um, I definitely appreciate the fact that, you know, we're, you know, you especially are using the program to really elevate this issue and amplify the voices who are simply unheard right now so hopefully hopefully this program really really touches to a lot of listeners touches to a lot of viewers and hopefully you know they can slowly like ourselves start to think of a lot of solutions and levels of reform Stop us this one thing
lá bebê. 